Welcome to the Weekly Benefit Roast, featuring Benefit Indemnity Corporation's President, Roger Bain. Roger has devoted more than 30 years to understanding and developing innovative health benefits plans for large groups and groups as small as five employees. Our moderator is Bob Graham. Take it away, Bob. Hello and welcome to the Benefit Roast on July 15, 2019. Time is flying by this year. We are in the middle of June, right smack dab in the middle of the June, and I think we have a full moon coming up, Roger. And because of that, I'm going to put you on the hot seat today. We're going to talk about the group risk assessment and what it means and how it came about. But first, let me do a little housekeeping. For those of you who might have joined us for the first time or maybe have forgotten uh, how to go about this, if you have a question for us or a comment, you can go into the little chat box on the right-hand side, type it in, and if you would be so inclined to even want to come on to the uh, broadcast with us, you can indicate that there. And if we can do it with the technology, sometimes it's erratic. We will include you in the discussion. But we've got so many people that sometimes it's hard to do that. So if you have a question or a comment, we'd love to have you type it into that chat box. We do check it throughout the whole broadcast. So, Roger, today's a uh, day I've been waiting for for a long time. I get to put you on the hot seat and ask you some hard questions. We've talked about the group risk assessment a number of times, but today we're going to talk about it, and you're going to have to answer my questions about it. So I've talked to people about this um, whole thing, and these are some of the common questions I hear. I don't know if you hear them, but I hear them. So the first question I have, are, are you okay with that, Roger? Yeah, I'm just perfectly fine with that. Thank you. I, I'm a little scared, Bob, because you just never know what you might come up with, but I think I can handle it. And do you want to introduce us to your lawyer who's sitting next to you in case I ask you a question <laughs> that you can't answer? Just for the record, there is no lawyer sitting next to me, guys. We can handle this, um, and if we need to, we'll just call on our audience for help. So okay, okay. Phone a friend, huh? As it were. So the group risk assessment, Roger, is a benefit indemnity company term not an industry term. Is that correct? Yeah, Bob, that's absolutely correct. Uh, the group risk assessment is something that we built here at Benefit Indemnity on a proprietary basis, and we kind of built it for some very specific purposes to serve those customers that want to work with us and the brokers that they work with to really help get that, uh, that assessment completed for them. So that's a custom project. And how long ago was that? And what was the impetus that said we need to do this thing? Well, we we started that back in mid-2013. We started the initiative. It has improved probably two or three generations since then. So we keep making it better and trying to enhance it and, and get more and more clarity and information from it. And the purpose of the group risk assessment is, is really just to make a difference for groups that are looking for the best buy in benefits. You know, most, most groups are always looking for better benefits for less money. They really have to achieve that. It's, it's the number two piece of overhead for most companies. And, and if it's not number two, it's almost always in the top five of overhead expenses for companies, even to the extent that Starbucks uh, brags, uh, I don't know if brag is the right word, but but complains that they spend more on benefits. So Starbucks spends more on benefits than, than they do on coffee. 
than they do on coffee. I said, whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that became true probably at least seven or eight years ago. It was back then. So now you can imagine. So if you get a company like Starbucks that spends more on benefits than they do on coffee, you understand why everybody that is buying benefits should have a really good handle on what they're buying benefits for. What's the purpose? What's the end game, right? And the end game is different for different employers, but still most often resolves around give me benefits that keep my employees happy and find a way to do it for less. Well, by using a group risk assessment, that's our way to help find them find a way to do it for less. Better benefits, less money. You can't do that blind. You can't do that in a vacuum. You have to do that from a position of knowledge. And given that position of knowledge, that comes from this group risk assessment. Okay. Help? Um, yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and Roger, I guess if I were listening to this and I didn't know you, I might think that this is a total steering job that, it, you know, you're going to at, have me do this group, group risk assessment and that's going to steer me right to your products or services. That's not the goal here, right? Although a, a critic well, would say that's exactly what you're trying to do. Well, let, let's first talk about what my products and services are. My product and service is to help you find the very best value in healthcare. And I don't care if it's from a benefit indemnity product or one of the big insurance company products or self-funding or going to the exchange and buying coverage on an individual basis. It, that's not the point. The point is the mission remains the same. We win enough times with services that we offer that we don't have to steer. We're going to win our share, but we're going to help the client 100% of the time. Even if that means we refer them back to the fully insured carrier they're with and say, here are the issues, here are the problems. Let's make sure we work with that carrier and maybe add a new wellness vendor to talk about treatment adherence and talk about the 56% of your population that has high blood pressure and the 32% of your population that has comorbidities of high blood pressure and diabetes, which is a tragic scenario and very dangerous. And let's get these people into the appropriate treatment and let's get them healthier. And therefore that gives that employer the opportunity to rehabilitate his group and ultimately get better benefits for less money. But like I said, you can't do that if you don't get the knowledge. For too long in our business, an insurance company would collect a whole lot of information from a small employer and then give them a yes, a no, or a new number, which means they rated up the coverage and are going to charge more. But rarely, if ever, would they lend any information as to why or how they came to that decision. Well, the why or how they came to that decision is the single greatest value that employer can have. And yet, for some reason, we're not talking about it enough or others aren't talking about it enough. And how can we give an employer the most innovative cost-saving strategies if we don't even know where their costs are born? So if another vendor, agent, broker, whatever you want to call it, or even a carrier were to come in and say, hey, uh, tell us how many employees you have, what the average age is, and we're going to tell you the best rate. What I think you're saying right now is that would be really impossible to do because they wouldn't have enough information. Well, that would give you their best rate. Okay. 
it wouldn't necessarily give you the best rate. The best rate comes by using the power of information. Collect that group risk assessment, get the information about your population so that we can then take that and make carriers compete for your business. Okay. So, Roger, where do the questions come from? How many questions are there in this group risk assessment? And what are some of the questions? What do they generally well, cover? Well, let me tell you what, how the questions first originated. Uh, the, the need for questions comes from insurance companies having applications, right? Almost everybody on this call probably, hopefully, has filled out a life insurance application at some point, right? I hope if, if you're out there and you don't have life insurance, please call somebody. We're, <laughs> but, we're, get, we're getting a couple of people saying, yes, <laughs> I have numerous times. Oh, John in Milwaukee says I actually got rejected on one. Well, there you go. So, John, I feel for you and I apologize for that. And there are people that will probably still get you coverage, but we'll talk about that another day. But the whole point is that these questions are designed to help you get the best rate, right? Just a simple non-smoker versus smoker question in the world of life insurance. Everybody's known that forever. So anecdotally, that kind of gives you the point. If you were shopping for life insurance and you weren't going to tell anybody whether you smoked or not, would you get the best rate? Probably not. No, you wouldn't. Because they would assume that you smoked. They would assume you smoked and you would get a higher rate or they would put you into some product that is rated to take anybody, in which case you're paying the highest dollar you can pay, right? And right. and you get a lower benefit and more money. So just the opposite of the, I guess the, the same thing with car insurance. How many accidents right. have you had? How many points on your record? Well, in car insurance, if you don't tell them that, they won't even give you coverage, right? right? In, in life but insurance. But if you get to a point where you have enough accidents or enough points, you go on to the... Right, the state high risk pool. Yeah, right. and you're paying big dollar. Exactly. So the point is really that the, the questions came from an insurance company's desire to have more information in order to rate the risk appropriately. And an appropriate risk is what every good group wants and what every bad group is afraid of. Define appropriate risk, if you could, because I know you appropriate, use no, I said appropriate rates. I'm sorry, rate, risk. sorry. Well, the appropriate rate is the rate that really looks at the inherent risk of the group. And that's why we say group risk assessment. We're going to look at that group we're going to understand whether there is somebody with catastrophic illnesses, diseases that are ongoing, whether it's just a broken leg and everybody's fine, whether we're going to have quintuplets next year and it cost us $16 million, you know, who knows what. We're going to get a handle on what this group really is expecting to have in claims. And then we can rate for that instead of just rating for the public at large. Right. If you rate for the public at large, you're you're being rated for kidney transplants and heart and lung transplants and all this stuff in when your group might not ever be near that. And right? Roger, just just for comparison, because I know some people probably have traditional health insurance benefits. How does this differ from how they handle this? So under the Affordable Care Act. Well, let's go back and finish the first question, though. OK, I think you're jumping too quick. Sure. So the point is, where do the questions come from? And the questions in our system, we've taken a little bit different approach because we know there are lots of companies out there that would like to compete for your business. So we Lots being how many? Is that three or... Oh, no, or? no, 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 no. Probably 20 or 30 at least. Okay. Okay. And we don't represent all of those, but we represent a sampling of large enough some of those that you're probably getting to the same place. Okay. But the point is that if you have multiple companies that want information, 
the way to go about this, we've decided, is to really look for a lowest common denominator type of question. So we've created an online portal that we'll set up and allow employers to go in, and each employee can go in online and answer a broad couple of questions that we then digitally collect and can disseminate to every carrier in the way, shape, and form they want it. Okay. Okay. So we can populate the enrollment forms and or applications for multiple insurance carriers, giving us the chance to pit them against one another in competing for your business. Okay. So if they're competing for my business and I'm a small business owner, that means I'm likely to get a better rate. They know that they're competing? Yeah, they do know that they're competing. Okay. I'm um, just, I, I, yeah. I'm just, yeah. It, they, they know. And if they, and if they, act like they don't know, we remind them, okay. <laughs> right? So what we will do is we will take the, the information we garner and we'll do two things with that. Number one, we'll give the employer a full report. That's called our group risk assessment. And that report is going to help them instead of a yes, a no, or a new number, it's going to help them understand the why and how we came to these conclusions because only then can they do something about it. If it's good news, then that means we might have two or three or four really solid preferred risk carriers wanting to write that business for them in a creative program, alternate funding, and just go to the braces with products that are really quality and what some people call dividend eligible, meaning you get a great rate. And if you run really well, you even get some of that back. Okay. Okay. So that's one element. That sounds appealing. So that's exactly, that's one element of that. However, not every group is going to qualify for one of those preferred rating products, but that's okay because the report still lends you great value. And wherever your broker says you need to be based upon the results of this study or where we say you need to be and where your broker says, well, if you need to be in this market, this is the best place we'll populate those applications with the data we've already collected. So for the employer, we're, we're streamlining and providing them a free electronic enrollment portal, which frankly in the market is extremely valuable and costly in many cases. We provide that piece free because we know we're doing a service that we will get our share, right? Okay. When we find a carrier that fits and is the best mode, we hope the broker brings that to us. We place that business for that customer. Everybody's happy. Okay. When we can't do it, somebody else will, and we'll make sure that that customer gets the best deal that they can get, and that's most important, right? So okay. we're not going to win every case. It doesn't matter that we don't win every case. It matters that we help everybody that we touch. Okay. Well, Samantha apparently is reminding me that I asked you a question about how does this compare to the... Uh, traditional insurance and how they figure out rates for small business. Okay, so so let's talk about that. One of the things that's happened with the advent of healthcare reform and regulation, most pointedly the ACA. Now, state levels somewhat before that, but the ACA is the most global and sweeping regulation so far. And so what that says is we can only rate your group based upon the age and the location of the members. The average age, right? The age. Each employee's age is calculated okay. and put into a total number. And that okay. can be, depending on your group size, that could be, and, and your state, 
that could be averaged into a composite rate for everyone, okay. or it could be member level build. You you could be charging Joe, you know, twenty eight hundred dollars a family, and and Bill, who's young, sixteen hundred dollars a family. Okay. But somewhere along the line, the employer has to buffer out that cost because okay. the, the employer can't pass that cost on directly that way because of the TEFRA laws. Okay. Again, we don't we don't need to get into all that. But the bottom line is, they, they maybe only, you did need a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> the bottom line is they're only rated on a couple of criteria. So now, the first one was age, and the second one was location. Location, and that location is now regulated by the state to be a certain section, portion, or region of the state. Not Maryland, my, not my town or my county, typically, and not your zip code. Much okay. bigger than just your zip code. So in Maryland, for example, the state is broken into four quadrants, so it's one of four areas. Okay, wow. that's not real accurate. No, it's not a real ac accurate rating scenario. Also, there's no gender, there's no industry, there's no health status, there's no experience, nothing in that. So. Well, they can't tell if you're a driver that's had 72 accidents or a driver that's had none. So you guess what? You get rated somewhere that's good enough for everybody. But the best groups, the most innovative groups out there aren't getting what they deserve. And what percentage of I know you've said this before, but I forget the number. What percentage of companies would qualify for better rates? Uh, I, I would say that if you're in the group business with 100 employees or less enrolled, mm -hmm. maybe even up to 150, under 150 employees enrolled in your health plan, 35 to 50% of those should be in a preferred risk product. 35 to 50% of those companies. 35 to 50% of those companies okay. should be in a preferred risk product, a product that helps them participate in the claims experience and the positive results that they get when they get them, protects them against the negative results, and yet yields that better benefits, less money scenario for those groups. Sounds like a win for me if I'm a small business Yeah, owner. you're talking a third to a half. That's a lot. Now, now, unfortunately, what comes with that, that means one half to two thirds at any given point in time aren't going to be qualified or eligible because of the medical conditions and the concerns they might have in the group. They're not going to get that super ultra preferred rate. But what they do get from us is the knowledge of why or how we came to that conclusion. And with that knowledge, we can often help to fix or rehabilitate groups. Now I say often, there's 20% of the groups out there that just are going to have that ongoing challenge of some particular critical illness or ongoing disease or some things that just happen. Right. So once we understand and recognize that, we understand and recognize the value of healthcare reform laws and provisions and state high risk pools and all that. It's all very, very valuable stuff. But at the same time, it is better, and the Rand Corporation did a study of this right after the, the ACA passed because it was required under the legislation. We find that we have more people covered in the healthcare system if there is an option for other choices like a preferred risk product for those. So absent of a robust self-funded preferred risk market, we have fewer people covered. 
according to the Rand Corporation study that they did under the ACA. So if our Have mission- Have you mailed a copy of that to Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders um, yet, Roger? No, I haven't, but I've cited it in many discussions with okay. many politicians and, and the ones on ones, there are certain politicians that they're on one side, they don't want to hear it anyway, so it doesn't matter. You know, okay. But it, it's their own study and it's what just shocks us sometimes, but I'm not going to get into the political aspect today. I baited you up. Yeah, you did. The, the reality is what we're looking at is a scenario where a good insurance rating model is going to look at the age, the gender, the location of each employee right down to their zip code because the surrounding hospitals around an employee are a function of their cost, right? So if you're saying one of four regions in the state, that doesn't work <laughs> because the hospital closest to them could be across the line in the other region. And it might be the most expensive hospital in the state. And so it just doesn't make sense. Those, those models don't really work the way they should. They're not precise enough. So age, gender, industry, zip code, and health status of the group. What's going on in the group? Those criteria are what help a small employer get their very best rates. And absent of that, you're shooting at a dartboard. And when you have an insurance company throw darts at a dartboard, they cut off the lower half of that board. You're only going to get the higher rates because they can't take risks that of that magnitude. And you've seen that under the ACA. You've seen how these rates have continued to escalate because that's what happens. So, so Roger, I'm confused. Well, this, Bob, that doesn't surprise me. Good point. The, the transparency <laughs> that you're talking about, and I guess that's the buzzword these days, is transparency. Uh, give us the information. We're going to give you an output where you understand things. Why wouldn't the whole industry be doing this? What this this makes so much sense. So why are you the one doing it, and why isn't the ACA asking for these things? Why aren't other vendors out there asking for these things? Well, I, I wish I knew the answer to that, Bob. There are others that do part of that job. Right. There are others that will ask the questions but not provide information back. There are others that will try and kind of get there, but they haven't taken the initiative to take these steps all the way out. And at our firm, what we do is a little different in that not only do we gather the information and provide complete reporting back to the employer, but then we take the next step and we build and design benefit plans that use every single initiative we can find to help control cost. And that could be from better medical management to a transparent pharmaceutical company that passes through the right pricing to the employer. Uh, we're working now on surgical procedures being bundled in ambulatory surgical centers. And what that means is they bundle that price and they guarantee it. You know, nowadays in the medical system, it's an unfortunate reality. You go to a hospital, you get your procedure and you leave that hospital with an infection. You got to go back in and pay them to fix that. Or if, the, or if the surgery doesn't take, something's done wrong, you gotta go back and pay them to do it again. There's no guarantees on service, but in bundled surgical programs, there are. You know, so, okay. so number one, you get a better rate and you get some warranties on, on what's being provided to you. So those types- you're also types, using teledoctors or telemedicine? We use, we use, use telemedicine and we're actually now engaging with uh, potentially a 24 hour nurse health line that'll help 
triage and direct care to better ways. So we're looking at all kinds of new network initiatives, even ways to pay hospitals that are far more effective because hospitals like insurance companies are just charging a big high number and battling it down and negotiating in the end. And, and small employers don't have the wherewithal to negotiate it. So they rent PPOs and PPOs have started to suffer their their loyalty to their physicians and their providers has become stronger than their loyalty to the clients, which is sad testimony for, for their industry, but that's what's going on. So we take all the initiatives we can to help make these products, in essence, the next generation of healthcare benefits. And so as we keep drilling into these things, the advantages of the group risk assessment become more and more clear. We have had some of these group risk assessments come back. I think we had one group that was 70% of the population had high blood pressure. Wow. Well, if you don't know that, you don't know that you better get a nurse health line in right away that's doing two things. Number one, they got to do predictive modeling. They got to pull a claims run of the group every month and look at what treatment is going on and what members and what patients have real challenges in front of them. And they got to put a nurse on the phone to call that patient and work with them to get the right high blood pressure medication, to get it used regularly, frequently, and appropriately so that they don't have a stroke or a heart attack prematurely or out of nowhere because they just really haven't been treating their condition. So if we don't do the right things because we don't know the right things, we've started on the wrong foot. Too many small employers go into the healthcare buying decision blindly. They don't know. And if they don't know, how would we possibly expect them to find a better way? That's hard to argue, Roger. That's, that's, that's quite compelling. Um, so if I'm a small business owner or I'm a broker in the insurance industry, and this sounds of interest to me, what's the next step? What can I do? Well, I've got a team of people here, but I'm just going to say, call me. And just call me directly. Again, it's Roger Bain, B-A-Y-N-E. And I'm at 443-275-7412. That's 443-275-7412. That's a direct line right to my desk. If you're one of the many small employers out there, feel free to just give me a call direct. If you love your broker, we'll work with your broker. If you're not comfortable with your broker, we'll recommend someone new. We've got a network of brokers around the country that we can help you get referred to and find somebody that has that same cutting edge mentality to really help you find the right results. So just let us know. Uh, and if you're a broker online, hey, let's let's go to town and let's help start helping your customers. Just give us a call. Okay, well, Roger, this has been really interesting and uh, I learned a whole lot today. I thought I understood this pretty well. If you have uh, been kind enough to listen all the way through today, not only did you get some great information, but we'd like to make you uh, uh, the recipient of a cup of coffee for next time. So if you go to that link that is down at the bottom of the page you're seeing now, or it should show up in the chat box shortly, you can click on that, give us a little information, and we will mail out to you a, uh, a voucher in the form of, well, you'll see it when you get it for a cup of coffee. So you can join us next time. Or I guess, Roger, if we put them asleep, although I don't think we could have put someone to sleep today because we had such great information. So that's our little way of uh, giving you a thank you for sharing time with us. We really think it was valuable. Roger, I want to thank you for answering my hard questions. It was good that you didn't need a lawyer. 
Next week, we'll be back again with another uh, edition of the Benefit Roast, and I am hoping that I get to ask you even harder questions next time. Well, let's see what you can do, Bob. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate you coming out. Look, have a great week. It's beautiful weather here in Baltimore. I hope it is around the country for you. I hope you're not in one of those uh, flood-torn areas. I know there's a lot of storms going on right now. So if you are, I I feel for you. Our heart's with you. Um, Let us know what we can do to help. And thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Benefit Roast, a weekly discussion sponsored by Benefit Indemnity Corporation. Employers in a wide range of fields are using employer-owned health benefits plans to deliver better benefits to their employees at a lower cost. Learn more at BenefitIndemnity.co. That's BenefitIndemnity.co. See you again next week.